NBA on NBC. What is up, everybody? This is Jim Mollock, and you're listening to Pot of Fame, the podcast where we break down the careers of former athletes and decide whether or not they should get a call to the hall. On today's podcast, we're talking about former NFL punt returner Billy White Shoes Johnson and whether or not he should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And joining us in just a moment to discuss White Shoes' career and Hall of Fame candidacy is sports historian and author Clayne. Truder. But before I bring Clay on, let's talk a little more about White Shoes. So White Shoes Johnson played from 1974 to 1988 in the NFL and was a three-time Pro Bowler. He was selected first-team All-Pro once, but more importantly, he was voted as the punt returner for the All-1970s Decade Team and All-1980s Decade Team which is voted on by the Hall of Fame. So he made both all-decade teams in the two different decades he played. Not too bad. To top it off, he was also selected to the 100th anniversary team for the NFL. When a couple of years ago, it was the 100th year anniversary of the NFL. They had a, a team they selected with all the different you know positions on, on, on a field. And Billy White Shoes Johnson was selected as the punt returner. When it was the 75th anniversary team 25 years prior, he was also selected as the punt returner. So he's been the punt returner for the 75th anniversary team, the 100th anniversary team, and the punt returner for the all-1970s decade team and all-1980s decade team. Pretty damn good. <laughs> so when it comes to numbers, you know, very solid at punt returner, six touchdown punt return touchdowns over his career, ninth all time, 3,317 punt return yards. He was also a kick returner, surprisingly. Two touchdowns as a kick returner, just a shade under 3,000 kick return yards. His 11.8 yards per punt return is seventh all time in NFL history. And he led the NFL in punt return touchdowns three different seasons, led the league in punt return average twice and kick return touchdowns once. Now, White Shoes was not strictly just a punt and kick returner. He was also a pretty dang good, dang good, what am I doing here? Damn good wide receiver. He had 337 catches over his career. He had two 60-catch seasons where he was, honestly, back then, 60-catch season, that's basically the number one option for a lot of teams um, in terms of how many you know balls you're grabbing. So he was more than just a gimmicky receiver. He did play wide receiver and put up a few good seasons there. Uh, he had 4,211 receiving yards uh, over his career and 25 receiving touchdowns. So yes, we remember him as a punt return, kick returner, and that's what we're going to talk about a lot today. But he also did contribute um, on the offensive side when it came to being a wide out and actually being a productive wide receiver. So we have a great podcast for you today. We're going to talk about all about Billy White Shoes, um, his career, and also his famous touchdown dance, which I haven't mentioned yet, but he's one of the pioneers of touchdown dances. Um, and we're also going to talk about, you know, he was a semifinalist this year for the senior committee to be in the Hall of Fame. He was not selected a finalist, so he will not be getting in the Hall of Fame this year. But, you know, he is at least on the radars, I would say, of the Hall of Fame committee as he was a semi-finalist for that committee this year. So Billy White Shoes Johnson, no chance this year. And again, we're recording in 2022. So no chance to be a part of the 2023 class, but definitely in the running. And again, as I just went through all those accolades, he's up there with one of the better 
know, punt kick returners of all time. So with the quick facts out of the way, let's bring on Clayton. All right. So I'd like to welcome back to the pod, friend of the pod, and also author and sports historian, Clayton Truder. Clayton, welcome back. How have you been? Doing fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. Doing very well. Working on a bunch of different stuff. Uh, sounds like you're very busy as well. And uh, it, it's great to be here to discuss a guy I, I, I genuinely admire. Of course. So today, we are actually going to talk about a, a player that mainly played a position that we haven't talked about on the pod before. Um, and we are going way back to the 70s to talk about former kick returner and also wide receiver, Billy White Shoes Johnson, whether or not he should be in the Hall of Fame. And, and Billy White Shoes was actually recently in the news because he was selected as a semifinalist for the senior committee. He's been retired for a long time. It's up to the senior committee to get him in the Hall of Fame. He was a semifinalist, but they released the finalist list and he was not a finalist. So he will not be into the Hall of Fame this year, but he is on the radar of voters. And Clayton and I today are going to talk about, you know, his career, of course, as we always do on this pod. And then also, you know, do we think he'll ever get over the hump or ever become a finalist on that list and, you know, eventually get in? Uh, I think a lot of my listeners probably know, maybe don't know, there is no one that was pretty much a kick returner or slash punt returner in the hall of fame today. Devin Hester is definitely circling uh, to be the first one, but as of right now, there is none. Clayton, the first question I'm going to ask you, I've asked you this before about other players that you have been on the pod for. When you think of Billy White Shoes Johnson, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? The first thing I think of with Billy White Shoes Johnson is him celebrating touchdowns, doing the funky chickens, shaking his legs together, holding his hands over his head. He would do splits. He did this thing where he stuck the ball behind his head and caught it with the other hand. I think of genuine showmanship, NFL films highlights. I'm a little too young to have remembered him playing. He retired in 1987. I think 88 is the first football season I remember well. But from the time I was a little boy, I knew who Billy White Shoes Johnson was. My dad wasn't a huge football fan. He loved highlight films, though. So if Billy White Shoes Johnson was on, he would point him out. I'd always watch him uh, watch him entertaining in the end zone. I think he, Willie, Billy, Willie Bright Shoes Johnson, brings to the game the idea that, that it is a form of entertainment. And um, that brings a lot of people in who aren't necessarily hardcore football fans. Yeah, no, his, his I mean, I think anyone I ask, uh, this is what would have to come to mind, that funky chicken dance. Um, you know, he has the Oilers uniform on, which is one of the cooler uniforms in my oh, head yeah. uh, of the 60s, 70s, that, that blue. So he's doing it there. Anytime you see... Um, you know, an NFL films thing, you, you may see him doing that touchdown dance. It's super famous. I don't know if you officially give him credit for like the first really touchdown end zone celebration, but I do think it's one of the first memorable ones. I'm sure people are spiking the ball and doing other stuff in the end zone prior to him getting the league. But, you know, as we think of like the Chad Ochocinco's of the world, the Terrell Owens and everyone has, you know, nowadays there's choreograph dances with like 10 people when anyone does anything but he was one of the first to have something that was distinctly his and that I think is what made him so famous and so popular among the fans along with the fact that he was one of the best kick returners and punt returners um, the game has ever seen so I have exactly the same answer as you here Clayne uh, I think most football fans you would ask 
that know about white shoes would say the same thing as well. So yeah, I think he's, Oh, go ahead. I think he's a, yeah, he's a, he's a move away from the NFL being this very staid conservative Vince Lombardi smash mouth type approach to the game. He's a showman through and through. Even if you look at his nickname, white shoes, Johnson, most Mm -hmm. of the guys are wearing these, these high top black uh, cleats at the time. He's wearing white low tops. He paints on them himself. He's incorporating a degree of fashion sensibility into the game. I guess Joe Namath had done that a little bit earlier, also wore white cleats. But I, I think he's a step towards the modern NFL, or at least a window towards this idea that the game can be entertaining and not simply a siege. Yeah, and they actually, and again, I don't know if there's, and maybe you know, Clayton, they actually did by the end of his career kind of start to put in um, a rule against excessive and premeditated celebration, which we know over the course of the history, they've put that rule on, they've taken it off, they've put it back. Now it seems like celebrations are a little more out there, but I don't know if they made the rule because of him, but he was probably the one that started the movement then, or at least to be more, again, this is an entertainment league. Let's have fun. And while white shoes in today's football, you know, today's NFL with Twitter and Instagram, I'm sure he would have been someone who had a lot of followers. He would have thrived in today's NFL besides the fact that, you know, the kick return and punt return game are not as important as they once were, especially the kick return game. You don't really see, you know, as many kick return touchdowns as you did uh, before they instituted, instituted several different rules that have kind of made that not really a way in which people score touchdowns anymore. Yeah, he's unquestionably unquestionably the early poster boy of the end zone celebration. The mere fact that they had to make a rule about it, I think, indicates his influence. Because when people thought of end zone celebrations, he was the person they thought of. Another thing that just came to mind is, I think he's the first person I've ever seen in a highlight um, slam dunk the basketball over the goalpost, which later became fairly common. But he's doing it in like 1978 when when he's with the Oilers. So that's another aspect of the end zone celebration that he brings in. He's a pioneer of end zone celebrations. I think we can easily say that here. Um, Claim, but moving on to our next segment, we call this That Memorable Moment. And again, what this segment is, it can be whatever you want to be, Claim. It can be a specific play. It can be a season. Um, it can be a period of time, a stretch of seasons, if you really want it to be. For you, though, what would you say his most memorable moment was? I think I feel like he's the gift that keeps on giving, and it's really the highlight package of him. Before SportsCenter, he is really the, the high, highlight real guy, whether it's NFL films, whether it's the Alcoa play of the week, which they showed during NFL games, all having announcers in tone about little Billy White Shoes Johnson. He's like 5'9 or something. And they always indicated how little he was anytime they talked about his, his various punt returns. So I think being this figure of highlight reels in a way that almost like Dr. J was in basketball during the same time period strikes me as being the most memorable thing about him. I think the context for these returns has largely been lost. And I'm guessing most people who are familiar with his, his returns now have not seen the actual clips in the game of when he returned it. They've seen it repackaged in retrospect by NFL films or or one of the other other various entities. So the highlight film strikes me as being his most memorable moment. And it's sort of like Gilligan's Island or MASH or something. It just gets shown over and over and over and over again. And you have this huge body of millions of people who are familiar with it who never actually saw it happen at the time. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's an excellent answer. I, I stuck to just going with the 1975 season in general. Uh, I think it's his second season in the league. 
He made his first Pro Bowl that year. In that Pro Bowl, he actually wins Pro Bowl MVP, which I know no one cares about. It's not the all-star game MVP in baseball or basketball, which I seem to actually know who won which year. I can't name you many Pro Bowl MVPs or who won what year, but he did win for that season. He had a 90-yard touchdown return uh, in that game, and he also had another 55-yard punt return. So he really uh, made some plays in that game, and believe it or not, I know we're going to two-end touch next year for the Pro Bowl, but back in the 70s, the Pro Bowl was actually still a game. Like, people played. Um, it was a lot closer to real football than it was today. I think people, um, it actually mattered a little bit to them. So I don't know in the 70s, if you ask people, they're like, yeah, I watched the Pro Bowl, and I know who the MVP was. I didn't know that before I looked into this claim, but I, I did see that. So wins the Pro Bowl MVP, he's a Pro Bowl, and he leads the league that year in 75 in punt return touchdowns with three, kick return touchdowns. He ties for the lead with one. And then he leads the league in punt return average with 15.3 yards per return. He's second in total punt return yards, eight in kick return yards, and fourth in all-purpose yards. So I don't know if it was his best season because he was not elected all-pro that year. He had another season where he was all-pro. But I think it was probably one of his – at least he exploded on the scene that season with four return touchdowns. And then, again, if people were watching the Pro Bowl back then – he really, you know, he won the MVP. He wowed with a 90-yard touchdown, almost broke another one with a 55-yarder. I think that's maybe where he got more on the national scene because the one thing about, you know, White Shoes Johnson playing in the 70s and 80s, I don't know how many Oilers games were on national TV. They were not really in the playoffs, so they weren't seeing him there. So that might have been the game where he really was seen by everyone in America as this, you know, electric player, um, you know, doing this dance in the end zone. Yeah, I, I think that's an excellent point. Just being, I mean, Houston's obviously a significant major city, but the fans on the two coasts may not may well have not seen him very often. I would also like to turn out briefly for the Pro Bowl in that era, because in 1975, you still have a lot of guys who were around before the merger of the leagues who are playing in that Pro Bowl. The idea that, that, the, that being in the NFL or being in the AFL actually meant something was still genuinely a thing for probably the majority of guys playing in that game. So for at least in that time period, the Pro Bowl had a very different feeling to it. And I sort of think it did roughly until free agency came into the league when the salaries exploded so much that getting the winner's share of the Pro Bowl actually meant something to guys when they were making, say, $75,000 a year as opposed to making millions of dollars a year. It strikes me as something that happened gradually and then all of a sudden people losing interest in the Pro Bowl. I think that's a really excellent point. And yes, we have all lost interest in the Pro Bowl. However, it is funny, like even the last one, which I actually didn't even watch. I think I've watched everyone until I think I had finally had enough. Maybe that's You're why they finally, maybe that maybe that's why they finally ended it. Like they lost me. And, and that was like, if that guy doesn't watch it, but I think I still saw like, I mean, millions of people watched it still last year. It's still rated better than like most I think, I think it rated better than like a playoff baseball game from that year or like many playoff baseball games from that yep. year, which is hilarious to me. Um, but we will, I'm excited about the new format, to be honest. I'll, I'll watch this year to even see what's going on with the events and the flag football. So I'm excited about it. I think it was 10 years overdue for this to happen. Um, but again, back in the 70s, as you said, Clayton, great point. It probably mattered a, little, a lot more than it does, of course, today. And again, he was the star of that one Pro Bowl, his first Pro Bowl. Yeah, I'm so totally I, looking. I'm looking forward to it, too. I'm hoping it has the feel of the NFL quarterback club stuff like in the yes, 90s. Yes. It was like that was great to watch like in mid-February or something if there wasn't a good mm -hmm. basketball game on. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. 
Yes. So moving on to our next segment, uh, we call this Ann Twins. No! Quarterbacks eating dirt! Pom-poms and short skirts! Fans who won't quit! And those twins! And for Ann Twins today, this is going to be very tough because as, as I said at the top here, there is no kick returner, punt returner, someone who is mainly you know focused at that in the Hall of Fame today. So there's not any kind of direct comparison we can do here. So I have uh, you know a comparison that's maybe a little off the wall, maybe not. Clay, I'm excited to hear though. Who would you say his closest twin is in the Hall of Fame? And again, you might have to go a little outside the box here because there is no direct comparison since there's no returners yet in the Hall. This might be a bit out there, but I think when I think of Billy White Shoes Johnson, I think about a guy who was an attraction, who's a genuine draw on television, a genuine draw in person. Uh, his his head coach, um, 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 Phillips, would talk about how everybody would be on their feet when he went down to return a punt. Oftentimes you had people going pee or going to get another beer or something or getting a hot dog when the punting was happening, not when Billy White Shoes Johnson went on the field. There was the feeling that, that, that the punt returning was suddenly a part of the offense when he was out on the field. And I think that's carried over ever since then, that, that there was a genuine identity, identity to punt returners once he started. But the, per, the person I'm comparing him to is one of the earliest attractions in football, Red Grange. Red Grange didn't have an especially long pro football career. At the time he was there, he was the best draw in the history of football. He Stadiums across the country went out to see Red's Red Grange Barnstorm. If you look at his statistics in context or even, or even now, they aren't that impressive. Um, Billy White Shoes Johnson's statistics, you look at them, it's tough to tell really how good he is in terms of how to measure up against other Hall of Famers, I, I would say, is one of the difficulties with the punt returner. But people turned out specifically to see Red Grange play. They, they, they held their breath on every possible move in a way very similar to Billy White Shoes Johnson. I think for the highlight film era, Billy White Shoes Johnson is what, what, what Red Grange was to the first era of football as a mass spectacle in the 1920s. That is outside the box claim, but I kind of love it. And again, I read Grange. I mean, I'm, I'm a Chicago guy, mm-hmm. so he played on the Bears. He went to U of I. He actually went to a rival high school of mine. So I, I've known about it my entire life. And the aspect of what you're saying, right? He was a draw. He was brought fans in the stands, things like that. I mean, he had nicknames just like, you know, we're talking about here. He was the galloping ghost, the wee nice man. I think he was also called the Illinois Flash. I don't know. He had a bunch of nicknames, but like the, the draw aspect, I totally get where you're coming from from that. So I do love that. That is outside the box, probably even more outside the box than mine. But I had down Ray Guy, the, the punter uh, of the Raiders. And the, and the reason I did is because he was always considered when I was growing up the, the best punter in NFL history. And if you look at his numbers, uh, they don't show anything compared to the punters today. I think his career average is like, 40 yards, which is, would be like one of the worst in today's game, but he was great at downing people within the twenties. And at the time he was widely considered the best of all time. He finally got into the hall of fame in 2014 after years and years of waiting. And he's a special teamer just primarily like, you know, white shoes Johnson was, but the thing I wanted to get to and talk about here is you know, when the NFL turned 100 a couple of years ago, they released, you know, the 100th anniversary team, right? The NFL 100th anniversary team. Um, in 1994, when it was the 75th anniversary team, they did the same thing. They're doing this every 25 years. They're doing 100, 125, 150, et cetera. 
So when Ray Guy finally got in in 2014, he was the second to last player on that anniversary team to get in the Hall of Fame. It's all Hall of Famers. Ray Guy was waiting. He is now in. There's one left from that 75th anniversary team, and it is White Shoes Johnson. It's incredible. So White Shoes <laughs> was elected to that team as a punt returner. He was also... For those wondering, also elected for the 100th anniversary team, so he has not lost his hold. Devin Hester is now the kick returner on that team. They have White Shoes as the punt returner still. So he's on the 75th and the 100th, and he is the only person on the 75th now in the Hall of Fame today. Ray Guy, second to last, now him. And on the 100th, I imagine after I look through the list of who's on there, I imagine all those guys are going to end up in the Hall of Fame when they're able to. And it could still be White Shoes not getting in if he does not get in the Hall of Fame. So, again, back to your Red Grange point. If I look at White Shoes' return stats, he doesn't grade out as the best punt returner or kick returner or any of that of all time. But those those lists mean something to me when I look at it. I mean, these are these are people, media members around the game. There are former players that are voting for this. This is not some random group of individuals. These are people that have been around the game and they voted for white shoes for the 75th anniversary team. And there was a different group of people that were voting 25 years later. And they also are voting white shoes. So it's not always about stats, just like you said, for Red Grange. It's about the impact on the game, what they meant, what they did among their contemporaries and white shoes 25 years ago, as well as now is still being considered by people that know this game, that study this game more than you and I ever could as the best punt returner in history. And and to me, that speaks volumes, volumes for his Hall of Fame candidacy. I agree completely. I think also one thing that with punt returners is very difficult is um, it's tough to quantify the choices other teams made based on having that guy back there. Did they kick the ball out of bounds? Did they alter the, what the, the approach to punting? Did they change what they decided to do on fourth down in any respect because of him? It's sort of like corners, like the whole notion of like Rebus Island when Darrell Rebus was in the league. It's tough statistically to quantify what impact he has on the game. And I think Billy White Shoes Johnson may be the first guy to do that. And I kind of wonder if that's what they're seeing. When he ran the kickback, there was a strongly improvisational quality to what he did. He didn't just follow the, you know, follow the path forward to get to grind out eight or nine yards. He was always trying to score and was always an unpredictable weapon with the ball. I think that's carried forward forward with a lot of punt returners who've come around since him. So, Clay, that is an excellent point, excellent segue into court. So we're going to go to court right now. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. So the reason I said that's an excellent segue is because I want to start the top here of, again, I just said 75th anniversary team. Billy White Shoes is the only member of that team not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, To me, that sticks out as my bullet point number one if I was making the case for him. If you make this team of the best players of all time at our 75th anniversary and you're putting this guy on the team, everyone else in the Hall of Fame, how can we not also put him in? How can he be the only one out there? He made the 100th team. Could be having the same conversation in 25 years if he's not elected by then. So the point I want to get you here, you're talking about how it's hard to quantify sometimes the impact a kick returner or punt returner makes. And again, 
I think Billy was no more as a punt returner, but he still had two kick return touchdowns, still had success there. But punt returning, like, again, kicking it away from him, getting better positional advantages on the field, which leads to more offense. I don't know if we have any crazy advanced stats yet, but I'm sure, you know, Amazon or Google or someone will eventually be telling me that he generated this better field position, whatever, but we don't have that right now. So what I wanted to get to, there's no kick returners, no punt returners in the Hall of Fame today. There are kickers in the Hall of Fame. There is one punter and then the positions, others, there's all multiple of the others, some more than others, but everyone else is represented. Outside of long snappers, outside of, I guess, quote unquote, gunners, so the taskers of the world. And then we have the kick returners and the punt returners. So my question to you, Clay, is strictly just your opinion here. Do you think every position, every position is not equal. I totally get that. But do you think someone that primarily played kick returner or punt returner, do you think they have a place in the Hall of Fame? Do they deserve to be recognized among players that obviously probably made bigger impacts? And then my second question is going to be a loaded question. That's the first question. And the second question is, do we overvalue kick returners and punt returners today? Do we undervalue them or do you think we value them just right? First of all, I'd say absolutely. I think I think all of those positions must be incorporated in the Hall of Fame. I'd be all for Steve Tasker's candidacy, by the way. I loved your comparison to Ray Guy because he was the gold standard for that position for decades. The, the people, the person who people uh, compare to any contemporary punter to. And I, I think punting to me is a radically underrated part of the game, as I think punt returning is. That in terms of the actual yardage impact of punting and then what actually happens on the return on the game, there's far more field position involved with that than there is virtually anything else in football. So I, I'm all for a punt returner or a kick returner being in the Hall of Fame, if not several of them. I, I think their their influence is, is underrated. I've always thought punters were particularly underrated with their influence on football. And they were always, to me, the more the more blue collar of the kickers because they were more likely to be involved in uh on-field stuff as well so yeah I, I'm all for punt, punt returners I'm all for specialists being in there football seems a little behind the curve on this issue to me baseball has really done a good job incorporating relief pitchers which some people mocked for a time as being hall of famers it was really Bruce Suter who got that going and now you've got Eckersley and Mariano Rivera among others in the hall of fame and David Ortiz with, with and, and uh, Edgar Martinez with uh, DHs as well so baseball's figured out that you can't really just treat these specialists as if they aren't genuine players like everyone else. And hopefully football starts to do the same thing in Canton. So my second question was, do you think today undervalue, overvalue, or about the right value for return? Tremendously undervalued, I think. I think having a steady kicker, a steady kicker punt returner Put you in a much, much better position to achieve uh, things offensively. I think people don't look at field position enough in terms of influence on the game. Certainly, I think punting is highly underrated for the degree of uh, yardage it actually covers. Um, I, I, I wish that was talked about, the special teams in general was talked about more in, in terms of football. And, and I think maybe, as, as, as you're saying, as analytics get more advanced, people will, will, will appreciate the degree of influence that has on, on the outcome of games to a greater extent. Yeah, so Clay, I, I'm gonna I want to do something pretty fun here. I did not give you a heads up, so um, you had no time to research or go too deep dive on this. So this will kind of be instinct and just your knowledge of the game. But what I want to do today, and we haven't done this on the pod in a while, so I'm kind of excited. Most of my listeners know I love to do Rushmores. 
Um, and I just don't want to build a Rushmore together here, claim, but I want to kind of have us both build a Rushmore. We'll go back and forth in kind of a draft style format here. And then we'll end up and see, you know, who ends up with the quote unquote best Rushmore of returners. Um, and I'll throw up on Twitter later and see, you know, claim who they think won, you or I. And again, I had the advantage of prepping a little bit. So I'm going to give you the first pick here and we'll just go back and forth until we both have four. The one criteria I want to call out here is we are talking strictly about their kick return and punt return ability. Um, it does not like Gail Sarah's right. Great kick returner, punt returner. He would be the first pick. I think if we're talking about just their career in general, but no, you don't get Gail Sarah's ability at running back. Um, you know, his rookie year, we had 22 total touchdowns or any of that it is strictly them as returner. So don't think as Gail Sarah's the football player, only him is the returner. If that's who you want to select. So we each get four people or go back and forth. And obviously we can't pick the same people. I think I know who the first pick overall is going to be, but maybe you're go somewhere different. Again, this is kind of your personal opinion here. Who would your first pick be for a return man Rushmore? This could show the influence of video games on me in terms of return men. Um, and I think in some ways, Billy White's shoes, Johnson almost is the first guy who seems like a video game player with his, shake and bake and jukes and all that stuff but a guy who strikes me as like if if i was i'm probably not going to coach an nfl team but if i'm coaching a madden team the guy i want back there is Deion sanders he seems wow. to me like the most explosive return man i've ever seen not that he did it all the time throughout his entire career but when he did he just seemed if he got it he got an open space he was unstoppable uh, and this is not counting him as a corner or anything else i think simply as a return man the idea of him being back there returning a kick was just so frightening to me um, but I think I'll go with him number one. No, I mean, that's an excellent pick. And later on in his career, he, you know, stopped returning as much just because he was so valuable as, as a cornerback and they threw him at wide receiver. I mean, he's one of the big, best athletes of all time. I think he's 40 times in the four twos or something like that. And anytime he got the ball in his hands, I mean, that's why they tried to put him everywhere on the field, right? Offense, like get that ball in that guy's hands. He's going to get it to the end zone or make a play. So I love that as a first pick. Um, and again, if, if we were doing just dual overall, their ability, then Dion's, I think the number one pick there, um, I'm going just bears guy. And I think the best returner of all time. And I think he will be the first return man to get in the hall of fame. He was a finalist his first year on the ballot, um, last year. And it'll be interesting to see if he gets in this year. And that's Devin Hess to the Chicago bears, um, you know, 19 total return touchdowns excellent punt returner and kick returner of course returned the opening kick of the super bowl the bears were in um for a touchdown that made me think for a second we were going to win we did not um he's the clear-cut answer for me in my head he is the best return man of all time so i'm going devin hester number one so claim you're up oh love devin hester i just want to speak of devin hester briefly by the way I have no connection to the Bears. I would watch Bears games specifically to see Devin Hester. Just such an electric player. The idea that he didn't walk right into Canton blows my mind. I think I think with my number two pick, I'll go with Billy White Shoes Johnson, just as being, in my mind, the guy who really is the originator of the punt returner as an offensive weapon in the game. So I, th I think there's really no better – there aren't very many better places to go than that for having him in your return game. Yeah. And again, Bill, like Billy white shoes, I have all the numbers of all these guys um, or at least a lot of the guys I thought you and I would probably pick from. And I mean, again, we're talking about Billy as a pioneer and I think that's 
probably one of the a good reason why he is maybe on that 75th, 100th anniversary. But his numbers, I mean, are right in line with some of the, the, the best return men of all time. I mean, the guy had eight return touchdowns, his punt return average uh, of 11.8 yards per punt returns, I believe seventh all time in NFL history. So he's right up there in the top 10. His kick returns a shade under 24 yards per return. So that is extremely comparable across the board in terms of the averages and the touchdowns is right in there as well. So that's not a bad pick at all, especially because he's so, again, on those all-time teams, he is considered one of the OG return men and one of the best to ever do it as well. So I think that's a great pick. And the re- one of the reasons I want to do this, Clayton, right? I want to see where Billy was going to go. I pegged him as probably second rounder or third rounder. And again, he's the third overall here, which I think honestly probably plays really well into, you know, his kind of hall of fame Kansas here mm-hmm. um, for my number two, I'm going to go with Rick Upchurch and mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie to my listeners here. I really didn't know who Rick Upchurch was until a couple months ago. I put up a poll about like who the best return, like return men of all time was. I had a bunch of people coming at me of how I didn't even include Rick Upchurch on, you know, my list. How is he not even an option? And I went back and looked at the numbers and this guy came around the same time as Billy White Shoes Johnson. I don't think he was maybe as flamboyant as him on the field, but his numbers, his punt return average, a little better than Billy his kick return average better than Billy touchdowns, the same exact. And he actually was a three-time all pro, which is more than Billy himself. If you just look at straight metrics as a, as a return man, Rick is equal or maybe even slightly even better um, than Billy white, white shoes. But I do not see him getting the same love as him again. Maybe it's Johnson's style. Johnson. Again, we talked about it. He was the one out there. He had the nickname. He had the fun touchdown dance. He was the one bringing fans to the stands. Rick Upchurch, again, first time I really heard about him was a couple months ago. He did play in the 70s into the 80s, just like Billy, but I had heard of Billy plenty, never heard of Rick Upchurch. But I do want to give him the props now because statistically, mm-hmm. in his like dominance in that era, he's right up there with one of the best return men of all time and should get serious Hall of Fame consideration if others, especially the younger voters, like myself, I'm 32 years old, have heard of him or anyone's actually pushing him out there because his numbers are up there with the best of them. Yeah, I'm admittedly only vaguely aware of him, so I really can't speak to his legacy, but I, that's fascinating. Yeah, I, 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 to me, I had just perceived Billy White Shoes Johnson as being so far ahead of anybody else from his era, but the idea that he had someone who was probably yeah. statistically superior, that, that's, that's really interesting. It's, it's, it was super surprising to me. Um, but he does not get the love of, of a Billy White Shoes. So again, maybe from a positional standpoint, Billy White Shoes was always put him in better spots than, than Rick Upchurch, but I can't imagine it was that much of a difference. So maybe we got to talk to someone who was really watching the football mm-hmm. in the 70s strictly for special teams and figure that out, that difference between them. But they are really close in terms of their ability at that time period. So again, that's my number My number two, I want to go back to the 70s. I'm trying to almost match you time period for time period here. So um, we'll see what your third pick is. My third pick is, well, this might be a little off the wall. 
this may be as much for his work in college, his work in the Canadian Football League, and his work in the NFL put together. I think in some ways he had a little bit of a, of a disappointing NFL career, but in terms of just sheer explosiveness, it's tough to beat Rahib Rocket Ismail. I mean, oh, in college, wow. I mean, he was just such a fixture of Sports Center for several years when he was at Notre Dame into the CFL, into the early part of his NFL career. I, I can't think of anybody who just ripped off punt and kickoff return touchdowns like he did. Um, and I, I think he got screwed out of the Heisman Trophy in 1990. He should have won, won it over Ty Detmer. I think people didn't really understand the idea of system quarterbacks at that point, that all the guys who were quarterbacks at BYU were putting up these huge yardage uh, kind of seasons later on at Houston, later on at a bunch of other places too. But Ismail was just, was just uh, appointment television in the same way Devin Hester was in a later era. Um, he just had no idea what, what was going to happen with the ball in his hands. So I think I would go with him with him for number three as an assemblage of his entire career. I think in some ways his career played out sort of like Pete Maravich, that his college career is really what people at its core remember, whereas his pro career was a bit of a, a shadow after after the, the the explosiveness of his college career. No, I, I love that pick. I did not even have him down as a as a option here in terms of this mini pool I put together, but I really like that. And again, I the college combined with the the NFL, I kind of get where you're coming from there. And and he was someone who, I mean, what was his 40 time? That guy was blazing fast. Was he like a four three something probably? I wonder if they even did it because he went right to the CFL. Because I mean he got picked by the Raiders, but he got paid. He was paid more than the rest of the team on the Toronto Argonauts. And he just, you know, every time he touched the ball, he scored up there with that really wide field. And the guys maybe not being quite the athletes, the guys in the NFL were. So there's a whole great highlight reel of his stuff from Canada, too, from the two seasons he spent up there. But, uh, yeah, I have no idea what his 40 time was, but he was he was remarkable to watch. As was his brother, Quadri Ismail, who played at Syracuse, uh, who was in the NFL for a bit, too, was was also an incredibly explosive player. Yeah. And I just, I just try to look up really quick. It looks like in 1988. So I think he would have been at Notre Dame still. Yeah. He was, he, a, ran the, he was a freshman then. Okay. Yeah. Well, he ran the hundred meter dash in 10.2 seconds, which is pretty damn fast. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, it's not Olympic level, maybe in like the 1900s, that's probably winning the Olympics, but that's, yeah. that's inching toward uh Olympic level um, hundred meter dashes. So damn. Okay. I like that. So Rocket Ismail. So my next one, I was hoping you didn't take him, so I'm going to grab him, is Dante Hall. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Devin Hester and Dante Hall. I mean, Dante Hall had this, like, two- or three-year peak where I feel like he had, like, three or four touchdowns every year. And he was, to me, and I say this in the best way possible, like a Devin Hester light in mm -hmm. terms of, you know, how he shifted back and forth. He either lost 10 yards or he scored a touchdown but both as but both a punt returner and kick returner, he was right there, giving Devin Hester a run for his money a few years as the best returner um, in the NFL. I mean, he had, he had more than he had twelve return touchdowns in his career. Um, you know, his averages were a bit like ten point five yards per punt return, which is going to be below a lot of the guys I'm naming here because probably went backwards half the time. But twelve touchdowns is right up there with the best of them. He was on Sports Center. That's who I was looking for. It felt like he was scoring a touchdown every other game. Obviously, that's not what he was doing. Um, but Kansas City Chiefs, their offense today is one of the most exciting in football. 
back when Dante Hall was playing, they were not very exciting other than Dante Hall. Just like with Devin Hester, the Bears offense was never exciting except for Devin Hester. He is how that team would score. Um, so Dante Hall is a clear number three for me. I'm excited to get him in the third round. Okay, I'm very torn in the fourth round. I got two different guys I want to pick, but I think I'm going to go with the safe pick. I'm going to pick Mel Gray, number four. Mel Gray is hardly the flashiest guy to ever be a punt returner, but at least for a time, he held most of the records related to punt return yardage and average and stuff. He was just a steady Eddie. I mean, he'd bet you eight, nine, ten yards every single time, and everybody else I've got on the team is just trying to score every time. Mel Gray is just doing, I guess, the very pragmatic, just getting you in the best field position possible kind of thing. So situationally, he may actually be the better alternative, depending on your team. Yeah, no, Mel Gray's up there. He was one of the first returners I feel like I really knew, and he had nine touchdowns in his career. So he's right up there with some of the highest producing touchdown guys as well. Did it both as a punt and um, kick returner. My final pick, and honestly, I'm looking at, again, for my listeners, I had time to prep for this. Clayne is going off the top of his head. He's doing a great job because most of these guys are up there on my list as well. My fourth one is between really Desmond Howard, um, Brian Mitchell, just because he did it forever. Um, God, there's a lot. Josh Cribbs. My final one is pers a personal pick just for me. Um, he did not do it for very long, but when I really looked back and when he did do it, he was one of the best of all time before, you know, injury took over and that's Gail Sarah's, as I said, at the top here, um, it's better than I realized, um, in, in terms of just his, like, he really only was a returner for three seasons and in three seasons, he had eight return touchdowns. His, his kick return average is 30.6 which is best all time and his punt return average. He didn't return enough punts to qualify as like the all time leader, but he averaged 14.5 yards per punt return for wow. his career. So 31 yards per kick return, almost 15 per punt return, eight touchdowns in like three seasons. It's remarkable. Um, just like Gail Sayers whole career, you wish he could play that yeah. career again, injury free. He's the one of the biggest what ifs for me in football, along with, the, the Bo Jacksons of the world and a few mm -hmm. others. Um, but I, as a Bears guy, we've been talking a lot of Bears Day. Red Grange, Gail Sarris, <laughs> Devin Haster. I'm secretly doing that here. I'm going to put Gail on there. Um, you know, he doesn't have the numbers all time as some of the, the cribs of the world, the Brian Mitchells that did it forever. But that peak is like a Devin Hester or Dante Hall, some of the better peaks that we've seen in, in NFL history. You can never lose with Gail Sayers. I, I just... He's, I just all the time go back and watch him. He's just, just I think, about the remote, most remarkable guy to ever play the game. Yeah. So just to quickly recap here, um, Klain had Deion Sanders. He picked Billy White, Shoes Johnson, Rocket Ishmael, and Mel Gray. And I had Devin Hester, Rick Upchurch, Dante Hall, and Gail Sarris. I will put that up um, following the release of this podcast to see what you all vote for. Um, Klain, I'll try to make the criteria as clear as possible, but I'm sure people will not read the criteria and just vote based on name recognition. So I might have a slight advantage over you with Sarah Sayers and, and maybe Hester, but who knows? Um, I will say though, this kind of is perfect for something else I want to tackle uh, before we get to final verdict here. There's two hall of famers here and it's Deion Sanders and Gail Sayers, but Obviously, they're in the Hall of Fame because of what they did at their primary position. Dion mm -hmm. at corner, Gail at running back. 
Um, all these other guys, they, they peaked around at wide receiver, but mainly, you know, we think of them probably as return men. And most of the guys I have on the, you know, honorable mentions, most of them are strictly kick return punt returners. But if you look at White Shoe's career as a wide receiver, it's actually a little more impressive um, than I think meets the eye. Like, we got to remember, right, he was playing in the 70s and 80s. Um, wide receivers weren't putting up the numbers they put up today. He had 337 catches, 4,211 receiving yards, and 25 receiving touchdowns. Um, he had two seasons with over 60 catches in a season, which back then was actually just, yeah. just outside the top 10 in terms of catches. So he was a primary receiver, leading receiver for Atlanta, actually, at the end of his career. He had more catches, actually, than one Hall of Famer that played in the 70s. Clayton, can you name that Hall of Famer if he actually had more catches than that was a primary wide receiver in the 70s? I'm going to say Lynn Swan. He had one more career catch than Lynn Swan. 336 yards. So for my listeners, especially Pittsburgh Steelers fans, relax. I am not saying White Shoes Johnson was a better receiver than Lynn Swan because he was not, but he was not as stiff at the position. Like he is known as a kick returner, punt returner. He will get in the Hall of Fame as a kick returner, punt returner, but he was also a very serviceable receiver. And you can't say that for most return guys like Devin Hester. I, he tried to play it. I wouldn't say that the, the Josh Cribs of the world. I wouldn't say that the only ones that really Dante Hall really couldn't play receiver Desmond Howard didn't the mm -hmm. only ones I would really say on the list of good returners. I would say Billy white shoes is on there. I would say Darren Sproles was an excellent, you know, dual threat there. Mm -hmm. And then of course, Gerald Sarah's, I think most of the others, they really did one thing and that was it. But my question to you, Clayton is, was he a good enough receiver to really, when we're talking about his hall of fame cancer, we say, you know, he was a great returner, but he was also a serviceable receiver or are the numbers too low where it's like, you know what, that's great but we can't really even have that as part of the discussion when we're talking about his candidacy. If one accepts the argument that Billy Whiteshoots Johnson's credentials must include the degree to which he impacted other teams' decisions in terms of kicking, I think that same argument could work in terms of him as a wide receiver too. Having such a speed demon out there almost certainly impacted the way that teams played against the Oilers and later the Falcons offensively, that they had to account for him on every play as being a potential uh, – him hitting a home run in any time he's out there. So I, I think if one looks back at, at the films, it'll be interesting to see the degree to which he is being planned around as a weapon too, that he could have benefited the team in that intangible way. Yeah, no, I, I agree there too. I mean, I think it's included. Um, I think it's more than most. Again, I, if I'm looking at like, I think Darren Sproles, when he comes up eligible, I'm very interested to see what happens there because his, Punt kick return numbers are right around Billy White shoes, but his offensive production on the field way surpasses Billy White shoes and pretty much anyone else here outside of, again, like a Gale Saris and even total counting numbers. He's ahead of Gale just because Gale didn't play long enough. So that multi-purpose, you don't see it much unless again, you're like someone like a Deion Sanders or something like that. And they're not being a kick returner, but I do think among his either contemporaries or the other return men, he does have substantial success where I think it can be pointed to. 
Now, the things holding him back outside of, I think, being a kick returner, punt returner are just, again, if someone's looking at strictly counting statistics, he, he doesn't like he ranks very high on like stuff like the average. But in terms of total touchdowns returning, a lot of the guys have more than him. Um, you know, if you're talking Pro Bowls, all pros, he's a lot lower than a lot of the other guys on this list. You know, averages. He does, you know, he's very high, but he's not the best. I can't say he's the best. Like I can say Devin Hester is the best. Do you think, again, maybe outside of all the other things against him, do you think maybe not being considered the best by accounting perspective is going to hold him back? Or as Clayne, you're consistently saying throughout this podcast, do you really think that the positional part of it where he is changing the position of that offense, maybe more than others. Do you think that's more what you can hang your hat on? And, and the numbers don't matter as much. I, I think both of those aspects have a significant impact. If he was just so far ahead of, of everybody else, even 40 years later, I think it would be tough to keep him out. I think the positional aspect is in, is in and itself a hindrance, but the numbers just, just, just add to that. I think also the Oilers' lack of success in the postseason. They got in the, they, I mean, they got to the AFC title game one of those times, but they just couldn't get past the Steelers in the AFC Central in that era. Then he plays for some pretty bad Falcons teams. Uh, his team's lack of success, but even though it's not really his doing, almost certainly has an impact on it as well. And then my final question before we go to final verdict, and Clay, this is strictly your opinion here. When you're thinking of a kick returner, punt returner, like, again, I was just talking about these all-time lists, like total kick return, punt return yards. Billy Johnson is, is nowhere near the top. There's a lot of people ahead of him, but a lot of them just did it for longer. Billy's peak is, is up there with some of the better peaks. When you're looking at a Hall of Fame candidacy, maybe it's a kick returner, punt returner, maybe it's any other position. What matters more to you? A peak where... For a period of time, maybe it's only two or three years, but a peak where they are the best at what they do or a very long career, they do it for a very long time, but you're never considering them, you know, one of the two, three, four best at their position. What matters more to you if, in terms of your like hypothetical, if you had a vote, who do you vote for? Peak definitely matters a lot more to me because one thing I often think about is, can you tell the story of whether it's football or baseball or hockey or whatever, can you tell the story of the sport without reference to this person? And I think with Billy White Shoes Johnson, you can't with it. You can't tell the story of the NFL without reference to him. I think he's so essential in several respects to telling that story. So to me, it's, it's more about one's peak than it being a lifetime achievement award. Yeah, I mean, again, and it's always going to be a mix, of course. You, you wait both, but I, I'm with you too. Someone that really dominates for a few years even is always going to, you know, I'm always going to put them a little higher than someone that maybe held on for three or four extra seasons, but never was considered one of the best. And that's just all, I mean, the Hall of Fame to me is the best of the best. And you can play for a very long time. That's great. We can give you, you know, your perfect attendance award, your longevity, longevity award. But you do, in my head, have to have some peak seasons in there where you are considered one of the best for me to really give serious consideration. Again, there's always exceptions to the rules. So if anyone's like, well, you said this once, like, I'm sure I did. There's always exceptions to the rule, but I'm always going to, I think, look at that peak over, you know, that longevity. So going to final verdict here, Clayne, I ask you two questions at the end. One, 
do you believe Billy White Shoes should be in the Hall of Fame? So if you had a vote, would you vote him in? And then the second question is, do you actually think he ever will get in? Yes, I think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. In answer to the first question, I think he's the quintessential punt returner. He's the guy who makes it a genuine offensive weapon. He's one of the top attractions in the history of the league as well. I think you can't tell the story of the NFL without talking about Billy White, Juice Johnson. So, yes, I think he belongs. Secondly, do I think he will get in? Yes, I think he will at some point. I think the idea that he's he keeps being on these all-time lists whether it's being on the all-time 70s or 80s teams or being on the 75th or the 100th anniversary teams. At some point, people are going to take notice of that. And I think the further we get away from that time period, the less the statistics will matter as the season is expanded, as the game is – you watch an NFL game now, it's very different than a game of the 1970s. One thing I've thought a lot about in recent years is that if you watch a NFL game from 1980 or the early 80s, is it more like a game from the early 40s or more like a game from the early 2020s, which would both be 40 years different? And increasingly, I'm starting to think a game from the early 80s looks a little bit more like an NFL game from the 1940s than it does a game from the early 2020s. So I, I think the further away, he'll seem more like a pioneer of the modern game. So I'm I'm optimistic about his chances of eventually getting in. Yeah, uh, so we're agreeing on both here tonight. Um one, yes, I do think he should get in. And honestly, the only bullet point I feel like I need, like I, the stats are fine, but it's being on that 75th and 100th anniversary teams that to me make it clear. Like, again, I didn't see him play. I can look at the stats. Among punt kick returners, he's right in the mix. But I don't think it's fair for me to just pick someone out of there based on, you know, them having 0.5 more yards per punt return. That's silly or having one more lucky brick to score a touchdown. But that 75th, 100th anniversary team recognition is my North Star here. It directs me of people that were around then back in 94 as well as today that saw him and and have talked to people that played against him and saw the games. They thought he was the best punt returner at the 75th mark of NFL history and the 100th mark. To me, that's the only bullet you need. And that's all I need to hear, that this guy should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, do I think he will get in? I do, just like you. Um, you know, he's not hes not someone that's super under the radar. He's, he was a semifinalist this year. That means people are talking about him. It's not easy to be a semifinalist on that senior committee list. There's a, a big backlog there. So people are thinking about him. Now, what I think will help is Devin Hester, I think, will get in either this year or maybe next year. And I think once he gets in, I think that will open the floodgates because they're like, okay, we have now elected a return man. Why would we not, uh, you know, elect a return man who is on that anniversary list with Devin Hester? Are we really going to let this guy be the only guy in? So the, the, the pioneer aspect that I think we talked about a lot where he was one of the first, the first to do this, first to do that. I think that does play in as time goes on. And I, I, I think at some point, it might not be for 10 or 15 more years. Hopefully it is while, while Billy's still alive. I do think he will get in. And I think Devin Hester will help open that gate where they'll be like, okay, he's in. Now let's look at the other retirement from the past. Oh, Billy White Shoes. That seems like the next guy we got to get in. So I, I agree with you. I think it's a yes for both. I do think he eventually gets in too. And I think the best thing for his resume is his highlight reel. 
anybody can turn on YouTube and watch and just see what an explosive, remarkable player he was, that he seemed like a man among boys on the field. Whether he, when it doesn't matter, you can't, doesn't really matter what era it's in. Just how dominant he was, how much fear he brought into other teams, how exciting he was to watch. That comes through in any YouTube clip of him. A hundred percent. So, Clayton, that concludes our episode. Uh, thank you again for coming on. Before we get you out of here, uh, we want to all. We always want to know what are you up to right now. Go ahead and, and plug away whatever you got going on. Jim, thanks. Thanks for having me on again. It's a pleasure. I'd love love to come on anytime. Uh, you, you can follow me, Clayton Truder, on social media at Clayton Truder on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'd love to be your friend. Uh, my first book came out earlier this year. It's called Loserville, How Professional Sports Remade Atlanta and How Atlanta Remade Professional Sports. It got a starred review from Publishers Weekly. It's been covered in ES, on ESPN and in Sports Illustrated a little bit, too. Uh, you can get it on Amazon for under $20 now, uh, roughly half off the cover price. So go check that out. Uh, I have a new book coming out next year with the same publisher, the University of Nebraska Press. It's entitled Boston Ball. Uh, Jim Calhoun, Rick Pitino, Gary Williams, and college basketball's forgotten hub of uh, coaches. It's um, it's a story of college basketball in Boston in the 1980s and a coming-of-age story for three coaches, Jim Calhoun, Rick Pitino, and Gary Williams, who all end up in the Hall of Fame, who were all coaching in relative obscurity at the time, and the story of how they all came to be uh, legendary coaches. I'll have more details on that soon. I'd love to, love to talk to you all on social media, and uh, and uh, thanks for thanks for reading my stuff. Well, Clay, and I know I'm super excited about that one, and we will definitely find a way to get you back on when that book gets closer to being released. And we're tied to one of those coaches, whether it be a former player or something. I'll figure out something fun for that. But looking forward to that. Make sure to check out Clay on Twitter. Make sure to check out his book he has out, Loserville. Clay, as always, thank you for coming on. We will talk to you again soon. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you. Looking forward to being on the Antoine Walker episode. All right. I want to thank Clayton again for coming on to talk about Billy White Shoes Johnson. Had a lot of fun doing that. Always have a good time having Clayton on the podcast, but that's all we have for today. Uh, so if you don't already, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Pod of Fame, and we will talk to you next Monday. Have a great week. Yeah.